Coming to you from uh, my office here at uh, Shiloh. Thankful to be out and in the office at Shiloh. I'm really glad to be here. Elijah, we learned, is a man who has passions and emotions just like us. That's what James says. It's just like you. That's what he says. So with that in mind, we're studying Elijah. We've come to part three, all right? Now, he's not, Elijah is not uh, spiritually prepared to confront uh, Ahab again. Ahab, Ahab the king, he's a, he's a very evil guy. He's, he's, he's got a lot of evil darkness in him. Elijah faced him the first time, but Ahab and the demons that drive him, they're going to be waiting for Elijah the next time. And so Elijah needs to be refined as a saint, as a prophet. And he's, he's, he's headed for a confrontation in what, next chapter, chapter 18. Uh, and, and he's headed for a, a mighty showdown with the prophets of Baal. The prophets of Baal are, are in the hand of Jezebel. She was a priestess for Baal. So Elijah still needs to be strengthened. He still needs some spiritual training uh, to be ready. Now, I remember last time he went from the place where he confronted Ahab to the brook that is called Kereth. And we noted that the brook Kereth flows into the Jordan River. It's part of what, it's part of a system that feeds the Jordan River. And the, the, the name of Kereth means separation, place of separation. So that's where God sent him. He sent him out to, to, be, to be separate to himself. But you can't stay there because the brook dries up. And that's what happened in a time when the, when the uh, drought hit, according to the prayer of Elijah and the purpose of God. The, the brook called Kereth begins to dry up little by little every day. Then it dried up. Now remember, the Lord said, as long as you're there, I'll bless you and I'll feed you. And the ravens came and, and they brought him bread and meat. But now the, the thing is dried up. The, the karit is dried up. So the place of separation now has to move me to the place of refinement. And the word that is used here, the widow from Zarephat, Zarephat, the word means refinement. So that's the place of refinement. I'm about to get even stronger and more refined than I did at Karit, the brook. So God works as I see it like this. First of all, he works in our lives through what I call transplantation. Now here we are, let's go to First uh, Kings and let me get my, okay, 17. And we're down in, oh, what would be verses eight leading into verse nine. And the word of Yahweh came to him saying, now what happened? What just happened? The brook dried up. That was previously what was said. Moves right into this. God's not gonna leave you there. Not gonna stay there. If you're in the will of God, serving God. And the word of Yahweh came to him saying, 
Arise. Kum. Arise. Get up. Go to Terefet, which belongs to Tzidon, Tzidon, Sidon, which belongs to Sidon. Wariashavta. Uh, and live there, dwell there, sit down there. That's what it means. Okay, so arise, go to Tzarephet, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there, abide there. Now that's kind of a strange command uh, because that's, <laughs> that's the place of, uh, of the enemy. That's the place that uh, ordinarily would have been um, would have been part of uh, the the people of Jezebel. Belongs to to Don. You know, I, I, I'm thinking now the principle of putting us from one place to another. And what I'm talking about is I'm talking about spiritual experiences. You know, we're we're hey we're in an experience here. As, as believers, and God has, we may or may not realize it, God has been preparing us for this. This is, this is something that a lot of people don't know how to deal with, but the people of God should know that God has been preparing us for this, for all of our journey. This is the, this is the process of what I call transplantation, giving you, a, giving you an experience. Uh, that's a great experience, but then giving you a greater experience, bringing you into a deeper faith place where you have to have greater faith. Well, this is the case of uh, Elijah, transplantation. There's a, there's a castle in Scotland. I can't remember the name of it. It's always been renowned for its beautiful shrubbery, shrubs the most beautiful in the world. And they say that it's a privilege to be the groundskeeper at this magnificent castle uh, in Scotland because the shrubs are so exceedingly beautiful. It really takes a talented fellow, the most talented guy in the world, uh, to keep those shrubs so beautiful. Now, the groundskeeper was asked one time, he said, you know, what's your secret, man? What is it? He said, transplantation. That was his word, transplantation. We don't let the shrubs stay in the same place. We let them reach a certain point and then we take them out and put them somewhere else. We keep them moving uh, from place to place. That's his secret for keeping those shrubs so beautiful. Let me go back, uh, let me go back to Jeremiah briefly for just a second. You don't have to look there. Jeremiah, by the way, we're in 1 Kings chapter 17 with the story of Elijah. Let's see, um, down around verse 11. This is, this is uh, Jeremiah's, or God's, judgment on Moab through the prophet Jeremiah. Moab has been at ease from his youth. He's just settled in and has settled in or has settled on his dregs or his lees. And Moab has not been emptied from vessel to vessel, nor has he gone into captivity. Thus, his taste has remained in him and his scent, his smell, the way he smells, uh, 
His scent has not changed. I don't know anything about making wine. All I know is what I read. But when you come across a passage like that, it talks about lees, L-E-E-S, or dregs. It could also be dregs. The, uh, the fruit is crushed, and some juice rises out of that. Some juice is separated from the sediment, which is on the bottom, and that juice is poured out. But then what's left are the dregs, and there can still be some good juice there, so you have to squeeze it again after a while, and you keep doing that until nothing is left but the dregs, the lees. And from what I read, that stuff stinks. It doesn't smell good. And it's, you know, it's not really any good for, uh, for anything, and it doesn't have a good taste. Unlike the wine, the, the fruit of the vine that has been separated from it and poured into other vessels. So, so Moab has just settled on his dregs. That's what he says. He still stinks. He still smells the same way he always did, and his taste has never changed. He hasn't, uh, he 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 hasn't blossomed. He hasn't flourished the way that he should, uh, or the way that he could. Now Israel did because Israel in the Old Testament was always facing these trials and being transplanted. The implication is that just makes you sweeter and better in the sight of the Lord. Well, that's the way it is here. These experiences are like transplantations uh, in that sense. They're, God is taking us from, from one thing uh, to another. So uh, Moab was still vile and foul, but the Jews had been refined through that spiritual transplantation and those experiences that they had suffered and experienced in the, in the Old Testament. So Yahweh has poured uh, Elijah from the vessel of Gilead, where he came from, to Samaria, which is where Ahab was. And then he poured him out of there into the, the place called Kerit, the, the brook called Kerit. And now he's pouring him with further refinement into Tzarephat. And each time that Elijah is transplanted, he's learning more about God and he's learning to, to lean on God more and more. So he becomes less dependent. When I look at this passage, he just becomes less and less dependent upon himself, more dependent upon God, growing in his faith and in his ability to serve Yahweh, to appreciate Yahweh, to long to serve Yahweh. So, we need to be careful and not get content or think that Kerit is the only place for us. You know, we can get to a point and say, man, I, I'm glad he provided for me there and I have to do something for myself. Don't ever think that way. Always depend on God. Search for God. Lean on God. God comes after you, you know. You just have faith. Faith, that's such a simple and yet profound principle in the life of of a believer, if a person sincerely serves God and seeks after him, he'll find himself constantly being poured from one vessel into another until he is properly refined with the proper sweetness for service in, in life 
So in this process, we learn about God. Elijah learns about God. He's growing in his faith. And I'll tell you, along the way, somewhere down the road in his life, he will no longer see his difficult circumstances, but the only thing he'll see is God standing between where he is and his difficult circumstances. Let me look at that again. Arise, go to Sarephet, which belongs to Sidon. Remain there, abide there, dwell there, stay there. Now there's the word again, there, remember? God says, I will bless you, I will feed you, I will care for you, there. I will tend to you, there. You gotta be where God wants you to be. So in this case, God's very clear, and if you listen, he's very clear to you and me as, as well with regard to his will and how we serve him. So here now, uh, I would move from uh, transplantation to what I call transcendency. That refers to the ability to go beyond your limits, to transcend. God was requiring Elijah here to take a greater step of faith than he did before. You know, it's pretty easy to go out by yourself into the wilderness, into the woods, and find that brook, that little rushing brook that's full of water, and just sit there and then finally let the ravens bring you, bur uh, bring you uh, food and, and meat. That's hard enough, but it was easy enough as well. And now, though, he's going to have to go and do something even more bizarre than just sit down with himself at a brook of separation during a drought and be fed by ravens. Here he's to go to Tzadaphat in the land of Sidon. Now, Sidon was the homeland of Jezebel. That's, you know, would he, lie, would he take a deep breath or take a gulp and a swallow and say, oh man, okay, the homeland of Jezebel? It was the very heartland of the enemy. This is where God is requiring Elijah to go, into the heartland of the enemy. Now, Elijah, whose service posed a threat to Jezebel and to Baal worship, through Jezebel in Israel was commanded to go and be provided for. Now, now look at this. Go back and look at this. He says, and, and see, or see, look, I have commanded of women there a widow to provide for you. So, okay, um, the, <laughs> the widows in that culture would have, been, would have been the poorest of the poor and the hungriest of the hungry in a time especially of drought and famine in the heartland of the enemy to a widow. And I've commanded a widow. Now, the widow doesn't know. I mean, God... God takes care of us and people don't realize that God has already appointed and commanded him to do this. It's just a wonderful principle for believers to rest upon. So uh, Elijah must have dreaded this. A widow, a widow 
in the land, the very place where my enemy has come from, the very woman who has brought all this trouble, and especially through her husband, the king Ahab, this Baal worship, all of this, and I'm preaching against it and standing against it and delivering your word and message of judgment. How he must have dreaded that. But you know, here he goes, and he does what the Lord told him to do. I have to tell you this, if he had not experienced the blessing and the provision that he found at Karit, he would not have been ready for Zarephath. Zarephath was more dangerous for Elijah than Karit was. It would require greater faith to go to Zarephath than it did to go to Karit. But Elijah had heard God say before, he heard him before, he said, I've commanded the ravens to feed you. And now this time, what does he hear? I've commanded a widow to take care of you. So here he goes, right? Now in the next chapter, Elijah could not have been more, could, could have never been spiritually prepared to confront Ahab and then challenge the prophets of Baal if it had not been for the separation at Kerit and the refinement at Therifit. He found the place of transcendency where he transcended beyond limits that he had, couldn't have known. He would go beyond his normal limits and trust God. God often puts us in a place like that of mutual blessing because this widow is going to be blessed along with Elijah. She would be a blessing to Elijah and Elijah would be a blessing to her. Now, there in Zedifit, God would cleanse Elijah of any pride. How, 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 how humble would a man like Elijah have to be for a humble widow from the, from the other side, from the enemy, in the heartland of the enemy, for him to have to depend on her to take care of him in this pagan land. God worked in the lives of two people in a divine way to provide mutual blessing to accomplish his will. How much Elijah to this point has learned about God just to depend on God in the most bizarre circumstances. So now we come to verses 10, and I think I'm going to read it all the way down through verse uh, 16. Let's see. In my Hebrew, we're going to start with Vaikam. Uh, Here we go. So he arose and went to Tzadifat. When he came to the gate of the city, indeed, there were women and a widow was gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, please bring me a little water. Now this is in a time of drought, right? A little water in a cup that I may drink. 
And she was going to get it when he called to her and said, please bring me a, 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 a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, as Yahweh your God lives, I do not have bread for only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And see, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't, don't, do not fear, don't be afraid. Go and do as you have said, but make me from it a small cake first. It's kind of rude, isn't it? Well, that's just the way God's working. Do like you said, but make me a small cake first of bread and bring it to me for yourself and for your son. Make some afterward. Uh, for afterward, make some for yourself and your son. For thus says Yahweh, the God of Israel, the, um, the bin, the container, the bin of flour shall not be used up and the jar of oil shall not run dry until the day Yahweh sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah and he ate and she ate and he and her household for many days and let's see, the bin of the flour was never used up nor the jar, the jar of the oil did run dry. The, the jar of the oil did not run dry according to the word of Yahweh which he spoke by Elijah. Tranquility is my next one. We've gone from transplantation to transcendency to tranquility. Elijah had never seen his widow before. Now, you know, if you think in a human sense, what are the odds that she would be the first person that Elijah would see when he came into the city of Tzedaphat. Well, I can tell you what the odds are. When it comes to God's will, the odds are 100%. <laughs> 100 and 100, that's the odds. There are no odds like that in serving the Lord. What a beautiful passage of scripture. How much bread would a little, a little handful of flour and a little oil make? If it's in the hand of the widow appointed by God, it will make enough. It'll always make enough. Elijah had come to the place where he no longer saw God on the other side, but he saw him now in the midst of his circumstances right there with him. So the widow's son was soon to become sickly to the point of dying. We're going to see that on down here. Elijah needed her, and when that happens, she would need Elijah. The day was a volatile and dangerous day where Elijah was ministering. But God was bringing tranquility 
peace to this humble home. Elijah's word to the fearful, hopeless widow was this, do not fear. It's a good word for us, isn't it? Do not fear. God had arranged for Elijah and the widow to be a mutual blessing to one another. Okay, so then the final point, I call it transnaturalism. I, I had to, I don't know, you, you don't have anything better to do these days, so why not stick with the, the uh, alliteration? Transnaturalism. This will carry us uh, from the next verse on down to the end of this particular context, which would be about verse 24 or so. It came to pass after these things that the woman's son who owned the house became sick and his sickness was so strong that there was no breath left in him. So she said to Elijah, what have I to do with you, man of God? Have you come to me to bring memory, to bring remembrance? And to kill my, to bring, let's see. Have you come to me to bring remembrance of my sin and to kill my son? And he said to her, give your son to me. So he took him out of her arms and carried him in the upper room where he was staying. And there laid him on his own bed and cried out to Yahweh and said, my God, Yahweh, on the widow whom I lodge and with whom I stay, you brought tragedy by killing her son. He stretched himself out uh, on the on the boy three times and cried out to Yahweh and said, Yahweh, my God. I pray, let the soul of this child come back to him. Yahweh heard the voice of Elijah and the soul of the, son, the, soul of the boy came back to him and he revived and Elijah took him and, no, Eli, and Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother and said, see, and Elijah said, see, your son lives. The woman said to Elijah, by this now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of Yahweh is the truth in your mouth. What a beautiful story. Transnaturalism means to go beyond that which is natural. To rise above natural circumstances and to walk calmly with God who will do whatever he has to do to take care of his people. Through her son's death, this widow thought that this was a judgment from God brought upon her by the prophet. Apparently, she said, bring back the memory of my sin. Apparently, there's something dark and sinister in her past. And she thought that Elijah has come now to haunt her when her son died. 
She had secretly, apparently, she had secretly carried this guilt in her heart for years. Perhaps her iniquity had something to do with her son's birth. It's hard to say. But now in the presence of the man of God, Elijah brought miracles from God into her, into her home. She was self-condemned by his life of holiness and his God's goodness. Tragedy came, her hidden guilt comes into full bloom. And she responds naturally and blames Elijah and his God for it. God sent you to punish me, to curse me. That was her emotional emotional and initial response to what was happening. And she, she deserved a little space for emotion because her son was dead, her only son. Elijah didn't expect this. He most likely had come to love this little boy. But he doubtless had told the boy and the widow of the great God Yahweh, the God of Israel, probably told her what his mission was, told her about the, 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 the futility of worshiping her God Baal, the God of Jezebel, it is implicit in the passage that Elijah was constantly sharing the word of God with this widow and her, her son. He doesn't blame or question God. He just goes to God with the problem. God had done too much for him for him to think that God was going to leave it like this. He knew God was in absolute control, so all he needed to do was pray. Just pray. Unmoved by the circumstances, undaunted in his faith, he prayed. Why? Because Elijah had been refined. Beyond the place of separation, in the place of refinement. So, he knew that God would stand in the midst with him in the middle of his circumstances. He'd seen too much and gone too far at this point. Now in the place of refinement, He'd been, he'd been watered at a drying brook, fed by ravens. He enjoyed food from a barrel that was supposed to be empty and oil, a cruise, a jar of oil that was supposed to be dry, and yet it kept coming out when they needed it as much as they needed for the time. So his walk with God was strengthened. The Lord heard his prayer, the Bible says. We look at it. And God went beyond the natural limits for Elijah, his servant. Why? Because God had said, I'll take care of you there. Sarafet. There. Not to remain at Karit. I won't, not there. That's not, I took care of you there, but that's over. Now, you move from separation to refinement. Sarafet. You don't just find natural help, like cut it, you find supernatural help now in the place of refinement. Be faithful, be obedient, pray and know in your heart that you're where God wants you to be. 
<laughs> right now, it's not hard to identify, is it? Be still and know that I'm God. God's up to this thing is worldwide that we're in right here. Now, you know it. You know this is, of course, every God attends the funeral of every little meaningless sparrow that falls. That's what the Bible says. Now, if he does that, you think he's not taking note of what's going on. You think he doesn't know where his own are and what they need and what they are what they are requiring and how they need his help. What do you do? You pray. You read your Bible. Let God talk to you. Just wait to hear from God. Be still and know that I'm God. Talk to those. This may be preparation for the return of Christ. You need to talk to those who don't know Christ. Do all that's within your power to tell them of salvation it's in Christ because when God's servants are obedient and faithful and when we are in the place where God has told us to be, God will work for us. He will. And give us supernatural help if that's what's required. Now, Elijah is ready to stand before Ahab and then later to stand before the prophets of Baal. Let's pray. Father, we see this as a time of refinement in our lives and we thank you for it. That you give us such a wonderful opportunity that our faith may grow and that we may observe how you care for us. Father, I pray for all of Shiloh. I pray, God, that you'd bless all of our people. Keep them from sickness and illness and harm. Give them healing as they need it, Father. Give us spiritual strength and when we emerge from this, oh Lord, we know we'll be better for it. And I pray God for those who all of us might know who are without Christ. We cannot save them, but we can tell them how to be saved. And we trust your Holy Spirit to call those who are your own to yourself as you see fit in these days. Give us comfort and sweetness of fellowship, even though we can't be with each other. And yet we can in a miracle of the internet. So help us be calm and responsible and help us to lean on you, knowing that you are there taking care of us. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, that was Elijah, part three.